0: Good morning, everyone. It was silent for so long. I'm like, I'll go ahead and start us off. <laughs> um, glad to be here this morning guys, to worship our Lord and Savior. And um, I've been thinking a lot about um, the fact that in Christ this morning, you and I are overcomers. You can fill in the blank of what we've overcome. We've overcome death, uh, anxiety. Um, in the midst of darkness, we're overcomers. And I want to read two verses that highlight why we're overcomers, right? Because the the question is, well, how is it that we overcome? Jesus in John 16, verse 33, he's about to go to the grave. and, And some of the last words he says to his disciples, he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I overcome the world. In 1 John 5.5, listen to what John says. Who is he who overcomes the world? That he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're overcomers this morning because Jesus Christ is the overcomer. And so we're here to worship um, and celebrate him, celebrate the life that we have in him. So let's, let's do that right now. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing mighty to Savior.
1: Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus, come. salvation. He rose and conquered the land. Jesus conquered the land. Savior, He can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. the whole world see. Sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King.
0: The same power that rose the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave is the exact same power that lives in you and I if you're in Christ. And that's a powerful statement, right? Amen? Let's sing about that.
1: I can't see Waters raging at my feet I can't feel The breath of those surrounding me I can't hear The sound of nations rising up We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome I can walk down this dark and painful road oh, I can't face Every fear of the unknown I can't hear All the children singing out We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome The same power that brought Jesus from the grave the same power that the there to, to wake Lives in, in us, He lives in us The same power that moves mountains when He speaks The same power that can calm a rage and seek Lives in, in us. us, He lives in us He lives in, in us, us. He lives in us, we have hope, that his promises are true, in his strength, there is nothing we can do, yes we know, there are greater things in store, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. when he speaks the same power that can calm a agency he, he lives in us he lives in us he lives in us he lives in us greater is he that is living in me he is conquered. Stand here in victory
0: see and because he lived in us because he gave it all he's worthy of our whole life um he's worthy of everything and so i uh, love this song it's talking about how we um can build our life on a god who is perfect a savior who is perfect a savior, who perfect, a savior who gave it all it's a firm foundation but think about anything else but jesus christ it's sinking sand right everything There's only one foundation, and it's been given to us in Christ. Let's sing about that now.
1: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise We could ever pray. Worthy of every breath We could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Jesus Jesus, the name above Every other name Jesus, the only one same. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring We live for you
0: Together.
1: Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy every breath we could ever.
0: You can't put your faith in sound stuff because things have been popping. Are you guys hearing that popping at all? Because I'm hearing a lot of popping. So I'm going to take these out we're going to sing together. Now it sounds a little bit better. We're going to sing together. Remember the old song, Praise the Name of Jesus? Praise the
1: name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, in him will I trust, praise the name of Jesus. Once again. Praise the name of Jesus. My fortress, He's my deliverer. In Him will I trust. Praise the.
2: Thank you. You know, it's a real blessing to sit behind the Grubbs family because they all just seem really good. And I'm just sitting there enjoying listening to them uh, uh, with the songs that are going on. Uh, It's a pleasure to be with you. I I know that I'm not Dad Blunt, uh, and y'all do too. Uh, I'm a little fatter, a little older, bald-headed, the whole whole shooting match, but uh, I, it, it is an honor for me to be uh, uh, substituting uh, for Thad. And you, listening, Thad, uh, you know I can't wait till you get back so you'll hear a good sermon. <laughs> uh, but I have been uh, thinking uh, during the last couple of uh, weeks since I uh, knew that I was going to uh, be preaching this morning uh, or teaching. Uh, about something that has really caught my eye, and it, I was reading through the uh, book of Luke. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Luke 15, and this is so familiar, some of you won't even need your Bibles, but this is the story of the prodigal son. And I know we've heard of the prodigal son a thousand times, uh, but I think it's important Is this going on, did I turn it on? Oh, there you go. Okay, good. Hey, how about that? Actually, uh, when I was, uh, I, I was a um, uh, professor at uh, Southeastern Bible College for a couple of semesters uh, there, I had been on the mission field for a long period of time where a, a lot of places where we were, there is no electricity. And so we were kind of like overwhelmed when you turned on a light bulb, you know, kind of like thing. But uh, uh, when I got into my class and all my class came, uh, came in, well, uh, one of the girls that were in, was in my class asked, said, are we going to have to do a PowerPoint this, uh, this semester? And I go, uh, no, I don't think so, because I had no idea what a PowerPoint was. <laughs> and then as I started asking some of the other professors and some of the other students around, I come to find out I was the only one in the in Southeastern Bible College that didn't know how to do a PowerPoint. <laughs> so believe it or not, this is mine. I actually did this. So, so you can teach an old dog new tricks, so it, it goes on. Well what what has happened is since I was uh, uh reading through the uh, the prodigal son, uh, I found out, I, I came to a verse that just really captured my mind. And uh, I, so this morning, I'm just going to be speaking about one verse out of the prodigal son. I want to give you a surrounding of that. As a good uh, hermeneutics professor, uh, you're supposed to tell the context of why you do, when you have a Uh, a sermon, you're supposed to tell why you're having it and what you're doing with it. And so I wanted to go back because uh, the the prodigal son is a parable. And uh, so uh, there are 35 parables in the Bible, and a parable comes from two words uh, called metonia, and that's para means alongside of, and balo means to throw or to cast down. So you're throwing down something by the side of it. And so what the real uh, definition of that word, that Greek word is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And y'all know what I'm talking about with the prodigal son. He's talking about, you know, inheritance and a lot of things that all Jewish people would have known about. Um, uh, so because of that, they, uh, he tells this earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. And really, in the prodigal son, uh, uh, there's a lot of meaning in it. It would be great if you could take, if uh, Steve Bartlett ever teaches the manners and customs of the Bible again, if you could set in on that class, it would just open up the Bible for you because you talk a lot about uh, Jewish customs and the reason why Jewish people do do what they do. And so it's a really uh, good an important and valuable uh, lesson that you can do. I, I walked out of uh, that class every uh, week uh, just shaking my head of all the new things and the reason why they did it. I uh, just, just to give you one, when a Jewish man dies, he has this thing, this kind of mantle that he puts over himself, and it has tassels on the bottom of it. And uh, I don't know what they call that exactly, but they hang down. They're all the way around the border of the bottom of his uh, thing. And so when a man dies, a Jewish man dies, the priest comes to his funeral and he cuts off one of those tassels and he gives it to the widow. And that's a symbol that this man is dead. It's just a, a way of finalizing the death of, of a person. Uh, if you recall back, when David was hidden in the cave and Saul was out to kill him and he had followed him all through the deserts and everything, David was hidden in the cave and Saul went to into the cave. Uh, uh, there. He took his shawl off and put it down. Even warriors carried those shawls with them. And he put his shawl down. Uh, and while he was gone away from that, David cut one task. And he showed it to Saul as, as Saul went back away. And he showed him to Saul. You know what that means? You're a dead man. And what did Saul do immediately? He immediately went back to Jerusalem. He didn't keep on following David. So there's all kinds of interesting and uh, phenomenal things that makes the story just come to life for you. So in in Matthew 13:10, disciples are asking, why, why do you speak to the people in parables? Because he was speaking plainly or he was teaching plainly, and then all of a sudden he starts teaching in parables. And a lot of people wonder as well as the disciples, why did, why did he start doing that, t- start teaching in parables? And uh, the answer to that is found in uh, 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 chapter 13 of Matthew, uh, verses 14 through 16. And, and what it shows is an unwillingness for them to receive, to not only hear, but to receive Jesus' message. They were rejecting his message. Uh, and so it's important to define that. But let me read this, uh, this verse uh, here. And this is what uh, Jesus said about the answer to that. And, and in 14, it says, in their case, this is Matthew 13:14 it says, in the case, the prophecies of Israel is being fulfilled, uh, which says you will he- keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people have become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I will heal them. But they didn't want to do that. And so that's the reason why he began to speak in parables. And the reason... Why? is because if you have spiritual ears to hear, you will hear what Jesus is saying. But if you don't have spiritual ears, you won't hear. Or you'll be misunderstood, uh, you'll misunderstand what Jesus is saying when he speaks a parable or when you read it in the, in the Bible. What it means is that it illuminates the heart of the believer, but it frustrates the mind of the non-believer. And, uh, so a parable can be a blessing or a curse, depending on the hearer. And so that's the the why they have the the parables. Jesus began to speak in parables because he uh was he wanted to teach his disciples and the people that wanted to receive his message, but there were so many people that didn't want to or wanted to fight him or complain about it or anything like that did he begin to speak in in parables at that time so now we're here at the prodigal son uh, I, I have this uh, quote and I think it's very apropos to what I'm going to uh, 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 teach this morning and that's in uh, Matthew 15 and if you'll look at verse and I'm just going to read this verse. Uh, right here, it's uh, 1517. My paper is so light on my Bible that the wind, uh, actually the wind is blowing my Bible. I can't, <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, wish we'd have had this in the jungle when, when I was uh, preaching in gym shorts in 125 degree weather. Uh, in, in Luke 15, uh, 17, and it says this. Well, let me go to 16. And it says, and y'all know the, the story of the prodigal son. And uh, he goes and he finally ends up eating the pigs there. And while he's in the pig pen, he says this, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. And then this next little verse, but when he came to his senses or when he came to himself, Now, when does that happen? When did it happen in your life? When does it happen in people around you's life? When do they come to themselves? Some of us are hard-headed, and that coming to yourself costs a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering in our lives. Some people just came early, and they have reaped the benefits of that. But that was my question. That that came up on me. How do you come to yourself? How do you how do you turn from where you're at to where you want to be? And so uh, so we have here. Uh, uh, this thing, and here's what uh, Charles Dickens said. Now, I have a thing. He says, this is the finest short story ever written or ever told in all of literature, Dickens said. But also, what it really reminded me of something else that Charles Dickens said. And uh, there's a famous uh, uh, novel called The Tale of Two Cities. And a lot of you have read those. If you haven't, I'd suggest that you read them. It's it's really a good quality work, but in the tale of two cities, it starts out like this, and listen to this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You ever said that to yourself? Oh, my goodness, you know? It's the best of times. We were talking about the 50s Uh, uh, this morning. We were talking about the 50s. You know what? It was the best of times. Man, there were some great things going on in the 50s and the 60s. But it was the worst of times, too. Not many of us were rich. We was poor. We were just people getting by and all that. But it was the best of times, too. It's a simple time in life. And that's what he said. It was the best of times and the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom and the age of foolishness. It was the, an age of belief and an age of unbelief. It was a season of darkness and a season of light. And it was a season of hope and a season of despair. Hmm. I think we could all say that today. <laughs> you know, there's some good things I just heard, uh, just heard uh, yesterday. that The fastest growing church in the world is in Iran would have ever thought that one so there's it's the best of times but it's the worst of times there's so much heartache so much sorrow so much sadness in this uh, in this culture uh, that we live in and we a lot of times we cause it our, our own selves and why it's because we don't come to ourselves so uh Really, uh, as far as the prodigal son, everybody thinks it's the prodigal son, but really the story is not even about the prodigal son. The prodigal son is what everybody calls it, which means a reckless um, spendthrift. Uh, but the, the story is really about the father. And the father, Jesus, is talking, if you have spiritual ears to hear, you're listening to this prodigal son parable that really the father represents god and how he loves us and how he's waiting and you remember how 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 the what the father did every day when his son left went away and all that it says it says he would go out and watch for his son that word go out or uh or uh that expression in greek doesn't mean that he stepped outside the door. It means that he goes a far distance. And so that father went way out. He went probably went to a place where he could look over the mountains, down into the valleys, to see if he could see his son come back. And boy, if, if that's not our heavenly father, there's nobody like that. It will just go and look for us, and beg, and cry, and ask God to please bring that son home. So it's about the loving father, but it's also about the older brother. And the older brother is hardly ever mentioned in this in this parable. But really, the the older older brother is actually the representation of the scribes and Pharisees. And I want you to try to put yourself into the position of the scribes and Pharisees as they're standing around hearing Jesus speak this parable. Because they're law doers, man. They're legalists. They're people that they obey the tiniest little bitty tiny thing of the Jewish law. And so he says, There was a prodigal son that asked to get all of the riches. He's the younger son. He He wants to get all of his money and he goes out and spends it on riotous living. You can just see those Pharisees and those scribes just seething because this is a Jew that has forsaken the traditions and the laws of their people. And you can see them almost just, they just can't hardly stand it because he is so against the traditions of the Jewish people. And they become more and more outraged as the story goes on. And they see him as he comes back. And then they see, oh, that father, that father should never have done that. That father ran when he saw his son. He grabs up his, his, his cloth that, he, that he, they usually have, the robe, and he runs to meet his son against Jewish tradition. Older men do not run. And older men do not go to their sons. The sons come to them. And you can just see them just going crazy over all of that that's happening and just say, oh, my goodness, I have never heard of a story any worse than this that breaks so many Jewish laws as this story here. And then he accepts him. He puts shoes on his feet. He gives him a ring, and he kills the fatted cat. Oh my goodness, what kind of people are these? And you can just see them, they just go on and, it, and the level just goes up one more and one more. And they can hardly stand to even just listen to the story. It reminds me so much of David when he was on the throne and he had uh, he had uh, joined with Be- Be- uh, uh, Bathsheba and uh, Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells the story a parable He said there was a man he only had one little bitty sheep and there was another man that had many many sheep many many flocks and herds and that man took that that man's one sheep and took it away from that man. He said, what would you do? And he said, oh, well, that man deserves to be dead. He deserves to be killed right there and drugged through the street. And Nathan looked at him with that old bony finger, and he says, you are the man. You know, there but for the grace of God, we are the men." the older brother. The story is really about the older brother. MacArthur says that this is the greatest story of true repentance in the Bible. And uh, so, here's what happens. But when he came to himself, this is what uh, the prodigal son does, does. Here's his plan A. He's got this thing all planned out. So he's going to do this thing and he's going to make a great life for himself and all that. So his plan A is, I'm going to get away from here. If you noticed, it said that he went to a far country. And you, as knowing more about Jewish tradition, you know that Jews don't like pigs. They're ceremonially unclean, so they don't have pigs in their country. So he had to go to a country... That had pigs, so it was a long journey. It was a far country away from him. He had to take a big trip, and so he ended up being in a country that was foreign to him. That was a, that didn't have the Jewish laws, and he sent all of his money. He for his first thing he's got to get away, and uh, I I know that I don't know if this this doesn't happen much anymore, but back when I was a teenager, and, and the teenager wanted to get out of the house, he would always tell his folks that, I'm getting out of this house, I can't stand living in this house anymore, I'm going to go join the Marines. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, good move, buddy. <laughs> so uh, that, that's what he did, he is going to get away from that, he is getting away from that house, he just couldn't stand to be in that house anymore. And then he's going to get him some money, so he gets, he asks for the inheritance, he gets that, he wants to have a good time, so he goes off to a place where he can have him a good time, and uh, and then he wanted to do all the things he's ever dreamed about doing. Now don't we all want to do that? I mean, you know, wouldn't you like to go to Hawaii and lay on the beach, you know, in the sand, or, you know, go somewhere else, uh, these big dreams and all this kind of stuff you know and do all the things you've ever dreamed of there's one thing though that keeps you from doing that for people that has got sense and that's this in, in case you don't know what it is in Spanish that means money <laughs> so he gave no thought of tomorrow he had his plan ready He didn't care about what happens tomorrow. He had no dollar tomorrow, nor when the the good times are over. Because there's a limited amount of money. And it starts that when the good times are over is when the money runs out. Nor when you can't complete your dreams. And again, that happens to be about money. Because you can't complete your dreams. Because you don't have money to do it with. And so he had to switch to plan B. And many of us have to do that same thing in, in, in our own life. And you know what I was really thinking about when this when he, when you come to yourself is there's two roads of that. One is the road of the unbelief. I think every one of you could shake your head. There's somebody in your family that are non-believers and they haven't come to their selves. Amen? There's somebody in your family that just gives you a heartache every time you see them. And they just struggle and struggle and they never can make a good decision. They are always making bad decisions. Some of them worse than others. But they're always making bad decisions which digs them deeper into the hole and it's harder to climb out of that hole. And so what he finds out is plan A doesn't work because now he's run out of money. And so to avoid true repentance or from humbling himself and going back to his father and his family and giving this thing up and going back to them, he decides he's going to dig his heels in a little deeper. And so he gets a job. Why? To get more money. Because if you got money, then you can have happiness. Everybody thinks. So he joins himself to a cit- citizen. That word joined is really a a funny word because it means glued to, glued to. And so what he had to do is he had to glue himself to this one guy to make some money. And I got a feeling that feeding pigs is a minimum wage job. I may be mistaken on that, but I don't know too many people that are millionaires you know, that's feeding hogs. So, in reality, here, he has no money, he has no friends, and uh, uh, since the wind blew this, let me get back to it. Uh, in, In 16, listen to this, what it says, he has no friends. He has no friends, it says right here, he would fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one, was giving anything to him. His friends had deserted him, all of the people that, you know, caroused it up with him when he was there, when he had the money, they're all gone. Nobody. You know that that's what happens in in not only in a unbeliever's world, but in a believer's world too. Is when you don't come to yourself. Maybe you're a believer. But maybe you are just faced with a thing where you just can't give it up. You know what you begin to do? You begin to isolate yourself. And you isolate yourself. You stay away from people. The only people you get around are people that agree with you. Said, oh yeah, you're right. You ought you to be doing this, you know. You were right to take your father's money. You were right to go down there and, you know, have a good time. I mean, that's what all teenagers do. You know, that's what all people would do. Yeah, you're right, man. And you begin to isolate yourself and the people that love you and surround you with that type of love you reject. And you begin to just have this little bitty smaller and smaller and smaller group of people that just isolate you from the rest of the world. They're your small yes-men world. And and as you go along in this uh, plan B type thing, well, your isolation becomes larger and larger and your group of friends becomes smaller and smaller. So it's not just the non-believer who is like this, but it's also the believer who goes away from the Lord. So he has no friends, no food, because he's getting to the point now where that hog food looks pretty good. No place to stay. Back in the back in the old days when he had money, he was staying at the hotel. He was down at the Holiday Inn, you know, and sitting out on the beach, you know, and around the pool and all that kind of stuff. Now he has to be out because he said that the hogs were in the wilderness. And so to feed the pigs, you have to be where the pigs are. And so he has no place to stay but the wilderness. So he's out there sleeping out in the open there. And the failure of plan B was that he never counted the cost. He never counted the cost. Because it looks so good. All of that is going to happen. Uh, David Jeremiah said, yes, the road he chose turned out to be an expressway to destruction. In, in reality, what he wanted was no boundaries. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do it when I want to do it. I don't care how, what happened. No boundaries for me. And what he found out, that he became a beggar. He joined himself. He begged for a job because he didn't have any money. He was thinking that maybe if I get some money, then I can be happy again. He wanted fine food, and he ended up feeding pigs. Which is against the Jewish law. I, I think you remember in Mark 5:11, the, the demoniac, when Jesus came onto the other shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he got out, and there was a demon-possessed man, and Jesus cast the demons out of the man, and he said, "How many are you?" And he says, "A legion," which is a thousand. And he said, "But don't send us back to hell. Let us go into the pigs." And so he go, those demons go into the pigs, and the pigs run over the cliff and all drown. And uh, so what we have here is this could have been the far country because that demon-possessed guy was where the pigs were. He lived with pigs. He lived around the pigs there. So uh, many... Uh, Instead of uh, so uh, he li- uh, to live in nice hotels, he is living by himself out in the woods. And instead of having a support group, he was isolated. And that's what happens when people uh, can't come to themselves or will not come to themselves. Because I don't know the answer to this. When do you come to yourself? When do I come to myself? when am I willing to give it up? I know the answer. But what happens is, when you, you go from having many friends to be written off by your friends and family, and no one gives anything to you. And that's where you end up. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. All of us know people that are there. And apart, but apart from grace are all the son. Apart from the grace of God. Okay, well, here's the success plan. The success plan is the first thing. you got to make a plan. He did good at first. He made a plan, but his plan was bad. Bad plan. This is a success plan. He came to himself and he said, I will rise. I will rise up. I will arise and go back to my Father. Woo, good step. First time he made a good decision in a while. And then he repented. He repented. And repentin', repenting is not uh, being sorry that you got caught. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Because that's not repentance. It's the word metonia in in Greek and it means to change one's mind or direction. We did that when I was in the military and it was in the marching and it was uh, called about face. And you would march this way and then you had this special move that you had to do with your foot and you turned around and you started marching the opposite way. You know what I mean. And so it's changing your mind or changing the direction of your life. Now, how do you do that? And there's the real question for each individual because each one of us are individuals. And certain things are going to push our button. Certain things are going to make us respond to that. Well, here's the things that I, I was just thinking about. If you are repentant, this is what will happen to you. If you're going to come to yourself, the first thing you do is you make a plan that you're going to go back to where you were before you got messed up. And then how do you do that? You go back and you say, I'm sorry, but along with that, those words, you, uh, you think this, it doesn't matter what other people think. I am going back. I'm going to ask forgiveness. I'm going to hook back up with people that love me, that care about me, and I don't care what anybody else thinks about the sin that I've committed. I have asked God to forgive me, and I've asked, I'm going to ask them to forgive me and please accept me back, no matter what anybody says or how bad it is or what you think about it. and it has to be from the heart not just words we call that uh, in, in Bolivia we call it la garganta de oro the uh, uh, golden throat there's a lot of golden throat people around they say a lot of things but they really don't mean it or when the, when the going gets when the going gets tough Well, sometimes the tough gets going and sometimes they leave. Has to be from the heart. And no matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. If people ask me to do this, if my family asks me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it is. If I have to run five laps around the uh, house every day, I'm going to run those five laps. I don't care what it is. If you want me to do something else, I'll do whatever it takes. To come back and to be back in communication, be back in relationship with not only God, but also with my family and the people that love me. Willing to confess it publicly. I mean, is there anybody that's sinless in here? Please come and take this pulpit. We all are sinners. We all have done wrong. We've all been the prodigal son. There's not a one of us here that is without that. We have asked God to forgive us and confess that sin and repented and changed our minds about that. But these people will not do that. But this is one of the steps to that. Willing to confess it publicly. The next one, know that he will face the resentment of others. If you do this, people going to hate you guts. And I don't know what it is. Misery loves company a lot of times. And so if there's somebody that doesn't want to confess, doesn't want to uh, live up to what they're supposed to, and you come and confess, you're making them look bad. And they're going to resent you. But I can tell you this, the people that love you They're going to love you. They're going to take you back with open arms. Own up to the grief he caused his father and others. Because, you know, when somebody goes off like the prodigal son, he causes a lot of grief, a lot of heartache. I can look over this congregation because I know a lot of y'all and I know a lot of y'all have gone through grief because of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter in your life and you've gone through heartache you cried yourself to sleep and that's not only just the immediate family it's people that love you your friends and the people around you they also it grieves these people They sit in sadness over what you've done. And if you would come back, there would be joy in the camp. The angels of heaven would rejoice. Willing to face public shame. We've kind of gone over that. Accept responsibility and accountability. You know what, what happens is when you sin and you go off on this trail, uh, what you do is you throw away accountability and responsibility. Well, when you come back, the trust bank is closed because you have lost all the trust that people had for you. Can you imagine, you know, that happening where a son goes and steals money from his own parents so he can buy drugs? Can they trust him to come back into their house again and leave their billfold out on on the table? Don't think so. That trust bank, all of that account has been closed. So what has to happen is immediately they have to start building trust. And the only way you can start building trust again is be accountable to someone. To put yourself under the accountability of someone and the confidence of someone and uh, again uh, become responsible for your actions. Submit to authority. It will take a lot of hard work, but be willing to do that. You know, as I look through this whole thing, the most potential sin that I saw of this, as I know people that are prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, the most potential sin was the distance he put between himself and his father. The distance. Because the farther away you go, the harder it is to come back. But today, you know, I don't know all of y'all. And I don't know where you're at. But I know that if you have not come to yourself, and you're being fooled, and you've isolated yourself from God and also from your own family, it's time for you to come back. And the thing that most people don't understand is that the people that you think hate your gut, your own family, your own friends, your own relatives, your own people of your own church, your own congregation, loves you more than you can ever know. And they would gladly take you back. Wouldn't it be sweet if you were to do that today? Wouldn't it be sweet not only for you to to get that off of your back, off of your shoulder, but for the family that loves you, the congregation that loves you, the friends and relatives that love you could sleep in peace tonight without a tear or just tears of joy. So I want to challenge you this morning if you are maybe you are the prodigal son and you had these big plans plan A and even plan B thank you one thing that you really see here is if you ain't got the money you ain't got too many plans there's not many of us that have got the money to be able to do that but we will do something else to try to keep it away to avoid that true repentance or that true humbling of ourselves be real with god humble yourself before god repent of yourself of the things that you've done and come back to god god loves you he gave his son to die for you on the cross of calvary and he's that father it's going a long distance out and looking. He's looking. He's wanting to see that son. He's wanting to see that daughter come back. And when he sees him, he grabs up that robe and he runs like a maniac to hug and accept that son, our daughter again. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the. Uh, time we've had together to look at your word it is a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path it is uh, what you have said it is it's a guide for our life and we will be successful if we will follow the Bible if we will follow old paths the places the guides the words the admonition the warnings of the Bible if we will put those first in our life You can do such wonderful things with our lives. But when we do what we want to do, it's always going to work out wrong. So Lord, give us the courage, give us the guts to come back to you and to find ourselves in you and come to ourselves. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Guys, I know this <clears throat> next song we're about to do has ministered to me in such a huge way the last, uh, gosh, probably the last year. It's called Resurrection Power. And um, scripture tells us that we're no longer slaves to sin. Think about that. We don't have to keep on sinning. And we have freedom from the power of sin because of what Jesus Christ uh, has overcome. He's overcome death and sin forever and ever and ever. And so we have power over sin today. Uh, this song is about. Pray it ministers to you.
1: My chains are gone. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Say freedom. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. And my chains are gone. i sure.
3: you come up, Dean, use the rail. You know you have to swallow your pride and realize that you're part of the old group now. it was put there for us. You're still waiting on the chair with the swivel seat. Thank you, Dean. And uh, thank you for being here today. If you're a visitor, especially maybe a first time visitor, we especially uh, are thankful to the Lord you chose to come and work with us today. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to get to know many of us, we want to give you that chance, so come back. And uh, we want to get to know more of you as well. Um, a couple of things as we close. Tonight, our small groups uh, begin. Uh, tonight and then Tuesday night, remember that. Um, Also, we're going to continue to pray for our pastor. We do want him to come back, but we want him to come back when he's ready to uh, take on the mantle. You spoke of the the robe and the the tassels. I I, want to say phylacteries was one of the words they used. And and you said that they cut off one and it meant you're, you're dead. In my neighborhood going up, if you snitched, uh, you'd wake up with a rat in your bed, and it, it meant you're dead. <laughs> so there's a lot of relationship between Judaism and Cajunism. <laughs> and speaking of Cajunism, uh, who wants to pull for Clemson? Be honest. I, I know I know you're not an LSU fan, but this is LSU, the SEC, versus Clemson. And we don't want them to think they've got a dynasty going over there. This is one of those one-time things they've been through. But seriously, uh, if you won't pull for my Tigers, at least pray for them. But uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Jackie Hansen is going to be having... Surgery on her other shoulder. Philip told me that also same hospital. Their daughter will be having surgery, and huh? Oh, Nancy, excuse me, Nancy Baines. That's uh, okay. Yeah, I got you. And Philip said that there's going to be a war going on because the same doctor's doing both of them would it be great if he could do them both at the same time? I mean, that, that would probably cost the same. Also, Joy Knott's is having a eye surgery Tuesday. Pray for Jim Franklin. Uh, he's slowly recovering, but not quite ready to step out in, into the public life. But we miss Jim, and I told him that I would encourage uh, all of us to continue to pray for him. Uh, Quentin and Beverly Crawford. Quinton has qualified for, with the Veterans Administration, for an electric scooter, plus whatever it will cost to make his vehicle able to transport it. And so when that happens, soon, that'll make him much more mobile, and he said that he just can't wait to be able to come back uh, and and be with us. And uh, Mary Jo Cooey, she continues to have problems with pain management, that's Tony's uh, dear wife. You pray for Mary Jo. And um, all those Samantha Johns, who had uh, surgery, and she's recovering. Supposed to be able to teach in another week or two, go back to school in about two weeks. All right. And so we want to pray for a full recovery. There's probably some others that I've overlooked, and I apologize. But uh, just pray for all of our people, that the Lord would would do in our lives uh, what will keep us in close fellowship with him. Uh, Dean, Dean uh, was talking about people that have relationship, but they've lost fellowship of that relationship. And we want to maintain intense fellowship with our Lord. And that requires that we be obedient and that we humble ourselves before him. And take advantage of the resource he's given us. We've sung about who lives in me, the Spirit of God. But you have to yield to him for him to be able to do what otherwise won't be done. uh, Bring us to maturity. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed all that we've uh, done this morning, the the great uh, singing, but also the word from, uh, from Dean. We appreciate so much what the Lord put upon his heart and brought to all of us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for uh, the thrill and the privilege and the joy and the excitement that it is to be a part of the body of Christ. We thank you that the same grace that brought us to you through faith in your son Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary, it's that same faith that carries us day by day as we walk by faith in obedience to your word, as we yield to the Spirit who dwells in us so that he can produce his own righteousness. Lord, may we never grow weary or tired of the idea that we are children of God and we have an inheritance that is out of this world. So we have the blessings of your being with us in this world without the worry and the fear of what's to come. There's no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. So we live our lives now in fellowship with you, anticipating the day when we will be face to face. And until that day, Lord, may we all be faithful to serve you, to love you, to obey you to glorify your name in all that we do and say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're dismissed.